If you're ready to feel like your best self, you have some room for improvement in your health, or you're looking to explore the infinite possibilities within wellness, then welcome to the Empire Wellness Podcast. Listen in to your host and renowned wellness expert, Charlene Lawrence, as she shows you how to build your internal and external wellness empire. Charlene is a licensed acupuncturist, certified hypnotherapist, and master of traditional Chinese medicine. She'll introduce you to the solutions that have yet to be on your radar. Now here's your host, Charlene Lawrence. Hello and welcome to the Empire Wellness Podcast. I am your host and wellness expert, Charlene Lawrence. I help people improve their physical and mental health using cutting-edge technology and ancient tools to balance their mind, body, and soul. Thank you for taking this journey with me to explore the infinite possibilities within wellness. It is my mission to educate so you can improve, and together we can empower, inspire, and grow. Let's dive right in. I am so incredibly excited to bring you the first episode of the Empire Wellness Podcast, and I don't think I could have found a more perfect guest for episode one. You will see the gorgeous soul of my first guest shine through as you hear her journey through a lifetime of wellness. Karen Isbister, touches on every topic within wellness, shining a spotlight on exactly what I wanted to share in this podcast. Fitness and being active has always been a big part of Karen's life, whether it was volleyball, cheerleading, or step aerobics with her mom. She gained the freshman 15 when she went to college, so she decided to start going to the gym again. She was in love with group fitness classes, so in 2004, at the age of 20, she got certified in group fitness and turbo kick. Karen graduated from dental hygiene school in 2008, but her passion for fitness never faded. Her and her sister quit their jobs and opened their own fitness studio in 2013 and loved every minute of it. Sadly, they closed their doors in 2016, but Karen continued teaching and expanded her fitness business into virtual classes in 2019, which was perfect timing since she was familiar with it before the pandemic. However, all of this came to a screeching halt in May 2020 when Karen was diagnosed with breast cancer. She still works out when she can, but the surgeries, appointments, and chemo have taken priority. She currently has 11 different fitness certifications and is about to add one more to the list as a cancer exercise specialist, and she is so excited. She's always been a turn lemons into lemonade kind of person, and cancer will be no exception because now she'll be able to help cancer patients feel stronger and happier during and after treatment. Before we meet Karen, if you're ready to explore the infinite possibilities within wellness, jump on over to empirewellnesscenter.com slash podcast and click on the link to book your complimentary assessment with me. During this time, we will explore your history and investigate individualized wellness options. Now to the show. 
Hi, Karen. I'm Hi, so excited to have you on today. Me too. Thank you. Good. Okay. So I'm curious, before we dive into your story, what does wellness mean to you? So I think this has probably stayed the same since I was a teenager. And I think, that, well, I think I know a lot of that comes from my mom and her idea of wellness and fitness. And that is balance. If I could sum it up into one word is balance. And it's tough sometimes, I think, because you get a lot, especially now with social media, you get a lot of influence from fad diets and fad workout plans and, you know, new, all kinds of nutrition information overload. And mine has always been and probably always will be balance because it's not starving yourself. It's not cutting out groups of food unless obviously, unless you have an allergy or an intolerance or something. And it's not just running yourself ragged in, in the gym either. It's all about balance. It's moderation. Um, and, and so on the fitness and nutrition side of that, I think that's, that's my best way to, to describe it. But something that is going to be new for me now is to try to get that mind piece. Mm. So we've got the nutrition and yeah. And fitness part, which I've got fairly dialed in and with some wine and, and candy here and there, <laughs> but the recording this right before Halloween. I know. Oh my gosh. I know. And I've cut out sugar almost completely out of my diet for the, uh, uh, the last five months. So yeah. And I'm, I, I, I know why, and I'm excited in a few minutes to dive in and, and give our listeners some information into why that is. I love that definition of yours as balance, especially being you know a practitioner of Chinese medicine. That's that's the goal uh, when you see the that symbol, the yin and the yang, is just creating balance. So that's that's a beautiful definition of wellness. And really quick, I'm going to ask you in a minute to explain your journey through wellness, but I want to share with the listeners that my, my introduction to you was interesting because I actually worked in my, we'll call it my previous lifetime as a programmer with your sister, Jamie, and Jamie and I had a really common ground that we both love fitness. And I happened to be in town one day and you were teaching a class just two blocks away. So she talked (laughs) me into taking your class which was so fun. I can't, it, I remember it being like dancey. I can't remember exactly which class it was, but we did a lot of dancing and that was so fun. And then all of a sudden you joined our team at the programming company at the business intelligence company. And so we had that different interaction with each other, but I, knowing your sister and having spent time with you, I did know that fitness and wellness was such a huge part of your life. So I would love you to just go ahead and share your wellness journey and start wherever it starts. Okay. Awesome. I love talking about that. <laughs> and I think you're, yeah, I think you're in a hip hop dance aerobics class of mine. <laughs> was that one of the favorites. <laughs> Uh, so we'll start way back to when it first started. So my mom was big into exercise and just moving. And and one thing I always like to to point out and why the the balancing is such a huge 
thing for me and for my sister actually is because she was never someone who ever commented on her body image or made nutrition something that we needed to really focus on. She just actually showed us by how she lived her life. So she would never, I I never heard her say anything like, oh man, these pants are sure tight and I need to lose weight or I look terrible in this or my body, this and that. It was always positive, which is huge. Uh, and also with that, with just with our nutrition at home, I didn't even know there was such thing as white bread for a long time because <laughs> we only had wheat or, you know, whatever it was. And so it started with her for sure at a young age. But then once I got into um, probably high school, I would say, she started bringing me to aerobics. It's like floor aerobics, jazzercise, step aerobics kind of stuff. And then when I went to college, I gained the freshman probably 15 to 20 pounds (laughs) and wanted to start working out because I'd never really stopped before. And I had stopped when I moved out. So I went to the gym uh, for my birthday. They got me a, my mom and and stepdad bought me a one-year membership to the gym. And I remember being terrified of, of the group fitness classes. So I would take my discman that, you know, that big clunky thing. (laughs) I know, I know. I've now, I've said step jazzercise and discman. So (laughs) for for you young listeners, go and Google those. So I would take my discman to the the treadmill or whatever and just kind of like look over my shoulder and watch the people in the group fitness room. And I decided to just bite the bullet and and take a class one day. And I took this kickboxing class that sounded terrifying, ended up being one of the best classes ever. I had so much fun. And um, a few weeks later, I see a flyer at the gym for teaching to be certified in, in teaching aerobics. And so that's where it started in gosh, it was 2004 when I first got certified. I was, I think I was 20 years old back then. Mm -hmm. And so I've been teaching for over 16 years now, Uh, got certified in group fitness and have just taken off from there. So got certified in all kinds of different things, all all kinds of different classes, um, nutrition, personal training. And then in 2013, my sister and I opened a small fitness studio and ran that for a couple of years and ended up closing up after a while. And, but I still have continued obviously to, to keep teaching. And, um, that was our main goal when we opened the studio was to teach balance and to teach body positive kind of things and how to be healthy, not necessarily how to be skinny, which was always a huge thing for us talking to our members when they've been, you know, what about this diet and what about this workout and having that conversation? Well, does it make you healthier? We don't want this to be a short fix. We want it to be long-term and sustainable and not a fad basically. So um, since then I've been teaching just at other studios and uh, I started doing fit or uh, virtual fitness classes about a year and a half ago. And obviously that picked up. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I had a couple classes that I wanted to teach that didn't quite fit with the studios I was currently teaching at. So if it was like a spin studio, they weren't going to want to do hip hop aerobics or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I would do the virtual for the other classes that I couldn't teach. And yeah. And then COVID now everybody's doing it. So it was kind of cool to be able to be ahead of that a little bit and kind of get my everything kind of established before it really took off. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh my gosh, what a leg up for you. Yeah. 
That's awesome. So go ahead and share with the listeners your current wellness journey because you've been on this wellness journey for, you know, since your early 20s, late teens of, of being that, that person at the front of class, basically, who you're teaching fitness to, you're teaching the body positive information to. And so now share with the listeners your very recent wellness journey and where that has taken you. Yeah. And I'll, I'll try to get through as much as I can without crying. <laughs> it's emotional. <Right> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not easy. And I'm sure that your emotions will touch the hearts of many other people. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I said, for most of my adult life, all of my adult life, I've been very into health and, and wellness. And uh, April 26th this year, so 2020, um, about 11.30 p.m., I woke up in the middle of the night. I was, I was sleeping and I, I woke up to my, my hand on my, on my left rib, really high up under my left breast and felt an itch. So I started scratching and all of a sudden I felt a rib poking out. So I just shoot up out of bed and, oh my God, what is that? My rib is out. What's going on? And I start to feel around and I notice it's not actually my rib. It's actually in my left breast. So obviously I'm panicked. I jump up out of bed. I immediately run to the mirror and I start looking. I like lift my shirt up and I'm looking and what is in there? Can I see anything? I couldn't see anything standing just normally without even lifting my breast up or, or any other turning or anything. You couldn't see anything. I mean, it, it, cause I check, you know, check myself out you know, <laughs> before you get in the shower or when you get dressed or whatever, never notice a thing. So I freak out. And then I realized I was like, oh my God, this is bad. It's, I start examining it. Um, and for, for those of you who don't know, which is, well, all of you, obviously, <laughs> I guess none of you know me yet, but before I started at the, um, the software company, I, I was a dental hygienist for several years. And during dental hygiene school, they teach you how to do oral cancer exams, what to look for, what's normal, what's not. And every single thing about this lump was not good. And I knew it, it wasn't moving. It was irregular shape. I always describe it as like, um, you know, nerds candies and the shape of how that looks. That was what I was feeling. It was like, not, it was not symmetrical whatsoever. It was hard as bone. Cause I thought it was a rib. It wasn't moving. Yeah. So I just start immediately bawling, obviously like panic mode sets your, in. Your medical background has already trained you to know that this is abnormal. Yeah. We need to explore this. Yeah. And years later, probably about 10 years ago, I had a lump in my right breast after <laughs> it was such a weird freak accident. I hadn't have a bra on and I went to go bend down to get something and somehow ended up hitting my right boob. <laughs> against the corner of the table or something. And so that was like a traumatic cyst and that felt completely different. So I knew that too, you know, to compare the two, this is definitely not something that is okay. And at that moment I had realized that a week earlier I had felt this. I woke up in the middle of the night, thought it was a rib, same exact thing. And I fell back asleep. Yeah, it was nuts. And so this time I jumped up out of bed, you know, looked at it and all that thing. And then I I sent my sister a text 
because I did not want to forget in the morning mm. again. And I knew she had her silent mode on because she turns it on before she goes to sleep. So I, I text my sister, Hey, don't panic. Um, just call me in the morning when you get up, please. And that was like it. So she calls me, Oh, this still gives me goosebumps. She calls me like 15 minutes later. I'm like, what are you doing? I told you to call me in the morning and go back to bed, you know? And she's like, well, I, I was up and you know, I saw your text. I'm like, why were you up? You're supposed to have silent mode on. And she said, well, what's weird is that I didn't have my silent mode on tonight. And a, a phone number called me that was like exactly my same number. So if her number was like five, 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 one, 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 two. It yeah. was like five, 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 one, 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 three. Yeah. Those weird robo calls. <laughs> but it, like at the middle of the night, right. it was super strange. So it woke her up. She happened to look at the text. She's like, okay, like calm down. It's Sunday night. We'll call first thing in the morning. We'll tag team and call the office, you know, as soon as we can. So luckily my doctor's amazing. The office was amazing. I called and panicked and, and said, listen, I found a lump. I am really, really scared. And that's something I try to tell anybody I tell my story to is that, especially because I was only 36, or I just turned 37, but especially because of my age, especially because I have no family history and I am so healthy, it's easy for doctors to brush it off. And I've heard so many stories where women have said, hey, I'm kind of worried about this lump. And they're like, oh, no, no, you're too young. You're too young to get breast cancer, which is an absolute lie. That is not the case. Yeah. So be an advocate, know your body and know when to say, I am scared. Please get me in immediately to check things out. And and they did. And I didn't have to do much pushing. They did. And wonderful. Was that your primary care doctor? It was my OBGYN. Okay, great. Yeah. And she's there. All of them have been fantastic. Thank goodness. So yeah, that, um, that started the journey. They got me in two days later for scan for imaging for MAMO and ultrasound. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much detail you want to go into about this part of it, but. You know, if you honestly, if you feel it's going to be helpful to women out there, you and I are the same exact age and, and I've, I've followed your journey a lot through this. And I know you're a huge advocate for self exams and all this. And I will admit that I am definitely not good at it. I get one a year when I go in for my annual pap. And so if you feel that it's going to be helpful information to share whatever you have to share, please, please do. Cause there is somebody out there. If you can save somebody out there from the same fate, then let's Okay. Amazing. Cause that's my, that is my ultimate goal once um, now. I mean, that's all I care about at this point <laughs> in sharing. And I have to apologize. I keep sniffing because I have allergies. And also what most people don't know is when you lose your hair with chemo, you also lose your nose hair. <laughs> oh, my. that's when I've never, I, I know about the eyebrows. I've heard of the eyelashes, but it's got to <laughs> everywhere, right? Everywhere, which is like, so amazing when you have to shower because it takes about five minutes. <laughs> I don't have to pay for razors or laser hair removal, but there's no nose hair keeping anything in. <laughs> so I'm really sorry. Well, wipe I away. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so, okay. Yeah. I'll just keep going then. And if you need me to, if we run out of time or whatever, let me know. But uh, yeah. So I go in for my imaging. It's COVID time. No one can go with me. I'm going to all these appointments alone, basically. 
And so I go into my mammogram and I walk in and they're so nice. The, the tech is so, so, oh, let me back up for a sec. So on the way up there, my sister and I were talking and she starts telling me her story about when she had a cyst that she had checked out. And she's like, so when I went and got mine done, you know, they did an ultrasound and the tech was super awesome. And she said, here's a picture of what normal looks like. And yours looks just like that. It looks really good. So I think we're okay. And she was super nice. And I said, okay, I kind of, I've been finding that humor has gotten me through a lot of this. So I make a lot of jokes about it, but I said, okay, cool. So if I go up there and they say nothing or, you know, they, they don't tell me that it looks just like the picture of normal, then I'll be concerned. And we kind of laughed and whatnot. So I'm at the appointment. She calls me back and she's like, okay, so we'll do your mammogram first. And then we might or might not do the ultrasound. So I'm like, okay, I'll smile and nod. But in my head, I'm like, no, you're not only going to do a mammogram. You're going to do an ultrasound because I'm so young, have fibrous tissue, which is something else women need to know is that they have dense breasts, especially if you're young in your thirties, sometimes a mammogram doesn't pick it up. So ultrasound is another really good thing to have in addition. Yeah. Um, so she, I, I'm like, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. So we go in, she's got me in like Cirque du Soleil position, you know, <laughs> all crazy positions to get this thing. And she's like t- walking me through it all super sweet through the whole thing. Okay. I'm going to go get the doctor. She'll come back here and talk to you. And then we'll see what we need to do from here. Okay. She comes back in no doctor. She's like, so I need to get just a couple more angles and being in the healthcare field, even though it was dental, which is totally different. That's code for, Oh God, we need another image because there's some, we see something. So already I'm like, okay, yep. I understand. So she does all these things. And as she's talking, she's not, not only is she not comparing the pictures of normal, (laughs) (laughs) she says to me, so yeah, my mom had breast cancer and you know, she's doing great. And it's really high percentage of survival rate. And I'm like, dude, what? Okay. But why? I'm like, why would you say that? Come on. And you know that her intentions are pure and not only are you scared out of your mind, but (laughs) it's, it's in the middle of COVID and you're alone. Yeah. 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 And my sweet sister is out in the parking lot just waiting for me. And so I'm, you know, texting her updates and whatnot. So we go to, the, she's like, comes back in. I'm going to show this doctor. Okay. Um, we're going to do an ultrasound now. I'm like, yeah, I figured. So they do the ultrasound and they're all up in my armpit. And I'm like, okay, so they're in my lymph nodes. I know what's happening here. This is not good. They get done. Doctor comes in and she's like, okay, so, um, there's a mass in your breast. Um, one lymph node is swollen. So we're going to do a biopsy and, that's pretty much all she said. And I know they can't say much because you can't, can't say much until you know for sure what the pathology is. Right. So she's trying to kind of not say too much. And I, you know, any questions? And I said, yeah, what, what do you mean by mass? And obviously I know what the technical term of mass is, but I wanted more information. So I'm like, what is, what, what do you mean mass? Well, it's a mass that she said something else. I can't even remember what she said, but, um, and she goes, you know what? I just like to be really upfront with my patients. I'm like, cool. I love that. Give it to me straight. Like, just tell me. I am very concerned. This is cancer is what she said. Like, like as much as she could say without giving it away, (laughs) without getting herself in trouble. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So I, um, I'll keep it, I'll keep it PG, but I yelled the F word pretty loud right 
in the middle of the room and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they're like, no, 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 that's understandable. You scream that as much as you need to. It's fine. We get it. Yeah. I'm sure you're not the first. You won't be the last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like bawling, of course, at that point and get myself together, make the appointment. And I go outside to, to see my sister and she just kind of looks at me and I kind of just nod my head and start crying. And, you know, I'm like, uh, 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 they think it's cancer. We're both crying in the parking lot. And I kind of get myself together and we're just sitting there. I'm like, okay, let's, let's get going. I had a date that night, a first date. Wow. <laughs> what a big day for you. So that'll be like podcast part two of my, um, my soulmate love match, whatever you want to call it, man, that I met through all of this. <laughs> so, yeah. So then, um, biopsy was the following week. They, um, did the biopsy. It wasn't, it was actually super easy. They're they amazing. And called me the next morning. It was super quick. It was like 11 the next morning. And the doctor was like, yep, yeah, it's definitely cancer. It's all, those are the only details I can give you call this person for the next steps. And it was very, very, uh, cut and dry. Just it's cancer for sure. Mm-hmm. We don't know what stage we don't know anything other than it's grade two and there's three grades. Grade two is middle grade. One is not too fast growing. Grade three is super fast growing, which we found out later after surgery that mine was actually grade three. So it's very fast growing and when I'm glad that want to have. yeah, yeah. That's the worst as far as that goes. And, um, I had just been, like you said, you get your, your appointments every year. And that's exactly what I've done since I was 19. Every single year, I never miss. I get my pap and my you know breast exam along with it. And then I would be good about doing my breast exams for a couple months after, but I just hadn't done them. And I was so angry with myself because I didn't do it. And I'm like, I could have caught this earlier. I could have something could, I didn't have to have it in my lymph nodes. I could have, you know, beat myself up about it for a long time. And, but it was only six months after my exam with my doctor that it had, yeah, it had gotten like ping pong size and spread to my lymph nodes in six months. Wow. So with it spreading to your lymph nodes, is that stage two? Okay. So that's what I always thought. Or I actually thought that if it was in your lymph nodes, it's automatically stage four. Okay. So that's what was obviously was going through my mind. It's stage four, you know, but mine is, mine was stage one B. Okay. And I think the B is the lymph node part because it was in four. Yeah. Only four lymph nodes and in my left arm. Okay. Yeah. Just to be safe. They, they removed all of them. Okay. In my left arm. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly this is kind of an intense conversation and I'm so glad that you're sharing this with everybody and that you have such a passion and, and wow, to you're, you're better than I am. I, I don't do the self-breast exam at all. I, I think I've tried it twice in my life and I've always quote found something freak myself out. And then when I get back to the doctor, they notify me that, you know, it's just dense tissue or fibrous tissue or a cyst or, you know, anything to not be concerned about. And that you were doing better than me, that at least for a couple of months, you would stay on top of it. And the fact that yours 
has been so rapid growing. And can you, um, you know, to get down on yourself, I understand doing that, but you have to think, you know, thank God you listened to your body and it could have been so much worse if you were like me, where I'm going to wait until next year, you know, a year later to go into the doctor and who knows where it would have progressed in another six months. So I love that you're being such an advocate for these self exams. And, and I think there definitely need to be programs out there or have our doctors teach us better because Mm-hmm. We don't need to go home and freak out over fibrous tissue right. all the time or think of all the women who have had any kind of breast reconstruction, either enhancements or reductions, and what happens when you have scar tissue and yes. how to manage this. We need to learn this. Everybody, all women need to know this because actually one of the most common ways that I've read that breast cancer is found is that the partner is the person who finds it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, and that, that makes complete and total sense in my opinion, but what about people who don't have partners? Yeah. You know, and it sounds yeah. like you were in that situation at that moment. And so yes. we, we can't always rely on somebody else to do it for us, our doctor, our partner, whatever it is, we, we really need to, to pay attention to our own bodies and take care of ourselves. Yes, absolutely. And one thing my doctor always told me, I don't know if this will help, but she said, oatmeal is good. (laughs) When you touch and feel, do your exam, oatmeal is good. Almonds are bad. Like, you know, if you feel something hard and and that type of thing, but I, I just, and I don't think anyone should, should freak out to the point where you're stressing yourself out because stress will do more damage than anything. (laughs) But again, if there's something that's different, if you notice some, a, a lump, a change in your breast, um, the, the size of it, the shape of it, the color, the nipple looks different. Like anything like that, that looks off, just, just get it checked. Just call your doctor and get it checked because one appointment can mean life and death literally. Because one thing that I learned during this stupid journey <laughs> is that, not all breast cancers are curable. I thought it meant when they say it's like 98% survival rate or whatever the percentage is, mm-hmm. I thought that was it. It is not. Stage four is not curable, which I had no idea. Metastatic breast cancer is treatable, but they'll keep you on chemo until chemo doesn't work anymore. And then and then that's it. And I, I don't fully understand it because I know with stage four for a lot of other cancers, like my dad, for instance, had stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma mm-hmm. at my same age, same month diagnosed, like almost the same treatment plan. It's pretty wild, but he survived and it never came back. So like why, I don't understand why breast cancer isn't the same, but that's something I really want to drive home is that point of early detection. Because if I would have let it go, imagine only six months that it spread, it could have gone to my organs. It could have gone mm-hmm. to my bones, it could, you know, wherever else it could have gone. So that's- I know oftentimes like certain cancers have an affinity to spread to other types of organs or organ systems. And I know breast cancer can often spread easily to the bones and the brain. 
And, and I don't know which type that is, or if it's all types, but you make a a really important point of just because we hear these fantastic numbers of these women who have such high, amazing survival rates after being diagnosed with breast cancer, which is wonderful, but you can't, you can't lean on that like a crutch that if this is your diagnosis, that everything's going to turn out. Okay. Yeah. Because we do know too many people out there too many women who have not survived it. Yeah. And you're right. If, you know, if you don't detect it early enough and it gets to stage four, I didn't, I didn't know that those statistics, I didn't realize that it was not really survivable at that stage. Yeah. And I'm sure there are cases where people have, where something's happened and they did live for a very long time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know exact statistics on it, but that was something that was shocking to me along with, the majority of women who, who I've talked to actually did a survey in one of my Facebook groups mm-hmm. and it was a, almost 130 women who took the survey and men also can get breast cancer by the way, but this happened to be women that, um, I forgot now what I was going to say. There was one thing about chemo brain. That's actually like, that's real. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> I've, sadly, I've seen chemo brain happen and, and we call it pregnancy brain too. It's just, you know, when you have all these different things going on, um, yeah, yeah, hearing exactly. that you had taken a survey of 130 women and yeah. it'll come back to you about the, the results that you found from that, but let's switch gears really quick. And I would like you to just kind of briefly share what your experience has been with, since you brought up chemo and chemo brain, what has been your experience with your chemo treatments? How are you feeling? And what are the next steps in getting you to the other side of this? Yeah, definitely. So, oh, that's, I'm sorry. Now I remember yeah. that's what I was going to say is that one okay. other thing that I didn't realize, which is a huge thing for everyone to remember, please, is that you don't have to have a family history to be diagnosed with breast cancer. I thought for my whole life until May that if you have it in your family, okay, yeah, you need to be, you're definitely way more high risk. But of those women, 63% of the women I surveyed had no family history of breast cancer. Wow. Yeah. 63% also, which is kind of weird. It's the same percentage. They found it um, on their own. 28% found it through imaging. So imaging is very important, but obviously if you're earlier than 40, you don't get a mammogram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So one thing that I struggled with a lot was the, the pity party and the, I'm so angry because I do everything right. I eat right. I exercise. I don't do drugs. I don't smoke like everything. Right. And I, this still happens to me. Why is this happening to me? And I was angry about it, like at certain points, you know, why did I waste all this time trying to be healthy when it's like, I'm going to get sick anyway, like screw it kind of attitude. And it's actually helped me so much through this. Like half of the, I don't know, half, a lot of the symptoms they said um, and side effects they said were going to happen to me didn't happen. Thank goodness. And I think it's a lot to do with my health, honestly. And before they decide on your chemo treatment, they do an echocardiogram, make sure your heart can, can handle it. Mm -hmm. And they, they said to me, because you're so young and so healthy, we're going to give you the most harsh chemo treatment we can possibly give you. So we guarantee this stuff doesn't come back. 
So it doesn't make you super excited about the treatment that they're giving you the hardest. <laughs> that's, that's pretty incredible that you are so healthy and so fit and you've taken such great care of your body to, to get kind of that Cadillac treatment. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I changed my mind about it, obviously. So through chemo, the first two, they, they, I had four, um, of one medicine and then four of another. So the first four are something they, they joke about. They call it the red devil because <laughs> sorry if this is TMI, but when you get it, you pee red <laughs> for like a day or two. <laughs> I think people are really unaware of what these chemo drugs really are. And I mean, you're peeing red because your body is so, it's so inundated with harsh chemicals. Every cell is being infiltrated by these horrible, harsh chemicals. And our bodies are designed to release those toxins and get rid of them as best they can. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that people are out there not expecting some of these symptoms. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And before chemo, they do a chemo class, they call it, which is an Mm -hmm. hour of explaining everything that's going to possibly happen to you during this. So the first four treatments, and it's, it's actually two vials of, of red. It's pretty crazy looking. It's like Kool-Aid watching it go in. And they, the the first four are how I understand it is to actually kill the fast growing cells, which is the hair, the skin, Mm. um, like the oral mucosa, that kind of thing. So dry mouth, hair loss, numbness, tingling, all these kinds of crazy things. And then the second four are, um, um, the, I think, I believe it's the, the, it stops the cell division from even happening. So the first four, they give you lots of great anti-nausea meds nowadays. My dad didn't have those, um, back in the eighties when he had his and thank goodness they have those now because they give it to you in an IV first, then they give you the drugs and you go home and you have the the pills to take as well. Mm -hmm. So luckily I hadn't thrown up at all. And it's the weirdest thing to, to feel like you need to throw up and to not. And so it was kind of a weird feeling. Cause it was just, I was sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. Couldn't eat anything other than saltines, uh, I ate grapes a little bit, but so that part was really difficult. But every time I went back for my next appointment, the doctor and the, the nurse practitioner, whoever would see me, they would tell me how great my blood would blood work looked and how great I was doing with it all, which was really reassuring. And, you know, they said, you're doing so well, keep doing exactly what you're doing, work out if you want to, which I was able to do a little bit during, which for my sanity was (laughs) the best part, even if it was just like a little stretching or yoga or something. Mm -hmm. And then the second four, and I'm on my last one. My last one is on Monday. Thank goodness is it is the med that doesn't necessarily make you sick but people have crazy reactions to it. So my first one, I got this, uh, I just, my whole entire back was what I thought was hives. Cause I couldn't see it, but I was like scratching like crazy. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being a, they called a taxol rash, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's just a big rash. So they gave me extra Benadryl, which helped <laughs> knock me out, but I didn't have the reaction. But with this one, instead of the nausea, now I get crippling bone pain. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever uh, have had a shin splint. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So imagine shin splints, but 
maybe 10 times more painful. And it went from my jaw bone to my big toe. I felt it every inch of my body. And they told me I could take two ibuprofen per day. And that's all you could take two. And I'm like, this is not working. I, I tried not to cry while my mom was around and she could just see it. My eyes started crying. And so then I started crying and she's like, this can't be, you can't, you have to get something. You have to get something for the pain. You need to find out what they can give you. And thankfully they did give me pain meds and it's been better. I did. I threw up once and the only time I've thrown up at all, but that was it this last time. And then just pain and, and sleepiness and, and stomach aches, but not as extreme. So. Wow. Yeah. That's, those are, those are symptoms that I, well, at least the bone pain, that's not something that I've heard of um, as a common symptom with the people that I know that have gone through chemo. So I'm so glad that they found you something to help alleviate the pain a little bit, as well as you have only one more. (laughs) You're, You're so close to that finish line. And so what are next steps after you finish your final chemo in a few days? I actually, a couple hours ago, just made my appointment for, to start radiation. (laughs) It sounds so silly, but I was so excited to call him. Uh, I'm like, okay, I am almost done with chemo. Now what? Let's schedule this, get it out of the way. So I have to do six and a half weeks of radiation. So, um, that will be from pretty much from the bottom of my jaw around to my elbow around under my rib so they can get everything to make sure that they get it all. And that will be yeah, six and a half weeks, five days a week. And then I'm done. Then you are all done. Yes. So we are looking at 2021 is going to be Karen's year. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So you brought something up really early on in the conversation and I would love you to touch on it because I am sure you're doing a handful, if not a basket full of alternative things to keep your wellness going through this. And you were saying, you know, you, you were so well before and healthy and that's really helped you. And I, I think that's a, a key point to really hit on for the listeners is if we can get our bodies healthy now, I love that you went through that struggle of why the hell did I go through all of that struggle just to get cancer anyway? Well, this is why, because yeah. now you're taking the treatment so well, you're, you're fit and healthy enough to to do the toughest treatment that they have available to throw at you. And you are so easily going to come out well on the other side, but you brought up one huge point early on in the conversation that I'd love to circle back to. And that is, you said you've been off of sugar for five months. (laughs) I want you to tell me why you find that helpful and, and ex- explain your experience, describe your experience since we are kind of all addicted to sugar and how that has been for you. <laughs> yeah. So I have been a sugar addict since I, probably since I was born. So I actually wrote a blog about my sugar addiction because that's the one thing that's so hard for me. I, let me just back up to when I was like, I don't know, five or six, I used to grab the, um, bubblegum toothpaste. Cause again, my mom didn't really have a lot of sugar in the house. We were pretty good about it. 
So I would grab the bubblegum toothpaste and hide under the sink and eat bubblegum toothpaste. Like I am the queen of (laughs) So it's been a struggle my whole life. And I always made excuses for it because I work out so much and I I deserve it and I can eat it and it's not going to be a big deal. Not a big deal. It's a big deal. And one thing um, for me is I have my headaches. I get migraines a lot. And I think one of my triggers is, is sugar because mm-hmm. since going, since this started in May, I, I've had so many less migraines. And part of it maybe is because I'm off birth control too, which mm-hmm. had in the past helped me with migraines, but the sugar thing, I think that's it. Wow. Um, and I haven't completely eliminated it. I still, cause again, I'm all about everything in moderation, well-balanced. So I've allowed myself to have some here and there, but cutting it back from having it every single day as much as I want to like, is this really worth it? And back in 2013, um, our, my grandpa was diagnosed with cancer and also another friend of mine with breast cancer. She had almost the same story where she rolled over her breast at night, the mm-hmm. whole thing. So that, that year I decided, uh, I was doing a lot of the, um, artificial sweeteners instead mm-hmm. of sugar. Mm-hmm. And my sister said, you need to go off of that. You need to stop taking, stop ingesting this because I've heard it causes cancer. So from 2013, I quit cold Turkey of any, any artificial sweetener. Awesome. And so, which was, yeah. But then I replaced it with normal sugar again. Mm-hmm. So isn't that ironic that I was like, I'm so worried about getting cancer. I'm going to stop this. And then it, <laughs> here I am. So when I talked to the doctors about the sugar stuff that I've heard, which is cancer loves sugar. Mm-hmm. that's what I'd always heard. So I asked them, is this really true? Is it a myth? Is it whatever? And they said, yeah, it's, it's true. Like that's what cancer likes. It likes sugar. So I'm like, I'm done. That's- Screw this. This cancer's not getting one more piece of anything it needs. I'm like cutting it off, you know? Yeah. So that's one thing. The that's other fantastic. Thing- I'm so happy to hear that your doctors corroborated this information because yeah. I found the same research and the same studies and because we're all addicts, part of me wants to believe that it's, it's false. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what the majority of them said. I, I talked to my radiation oncologist, who's the, the doctor who does the radiation. She said, okay, yeah, I, she has the same beliefs as me, like everything in moderation. She's like, you have to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Your happiness and your stress-free life is, is number one. But that being said, you know, have a little sugar if you want. However, one thing I did not also realize is fat produces estrogen. So my certain type of breast cancer, and there's a million types out there, there's so many types, which I didn't know. uh, My specific one feeds off of estrogen. So yours is an estrogen dominant cancer, which was a question that popped in my head earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So progesterone, barely estrogen, super high, like in the 90, 90%, 97% or something crazy. And that's what she was saying. She's like, you know, you, you're going to need to really focus on staying lean and making sure that that estrogen doesn't spike. So mm-hmm. of course, during chemo, the chemo doctor said, eat whatever you want. You're not going to feel like eating anything. So mm-hmm. if you want a milkshake, have a damn milkshake, do whatever you need for calories. Yeah. So I made a, a deal to myself that I would do whatever feels right during chemo. And then once this is over, it's back to being very cautious and very mindful of nutrition. 
And that's awesome. And, and I love that you've been able to work in all of your nutrition knowledge and even gain more knowledge about nutrition into your treatment plan. And there's something that I say all the time, and it's probably going to be a huge theme throughout this podcast as the episodes roll forward. Um, I have said time and time again, my poor husband is so tired of hearing it, but fat doesn't make you fat. Sugar makes you fat. So you had brought up that that fat cells oftentimes um, can, I don't know if they produce more estrogen or if they're just more, they have an affinity to estrogen or if they kick up our, our estrogen production. But I don't want the listeners to associate healthy fats like avocados and coconut oil to to the fat that you're talking about. So if you're eating your body with too much sugar, which is going to increase your lipid count, your fat cell count in the body, that's what can potentially lead to the estrogen dominance in the body. So yes, that's, that's awesome that you've gained all of this knowledge and that you're just doing everything you can to start this cancer out of your body to kick its ass. I know that, um, following your journey, one of the people who, who kind of keeps us all up on what you've been going through. She is constantly writing to us that you're kicking cancer's ass. um, Now I'm going to have to label this podcast as explicit, but (laughs) that's okay because you're doing an amazing job. So As we begin to wrap up, I just have a few final questions for you. So number one, if you could text one tip to everyone on the planet on how to be well, what would it be? Man, I feel like a broken record, but just to be balanced and to kind of go back to what I said earlier about the mindfulness, I think that was the piece that I was missing and my sister and I have been talking about this for a while, like what else could I have done? And again, I couldn't, it was going to happen, but what can I do to keep it from coming back? Right. And yeah. I guess exercise is huge. They've, mm-hmm. they're finding now for reoccurrence to lower your reoccurrence rate. But for me, the one thing that I didn't have, one piece I didn't have was the stress-free yeah. mindset and, and lifestyle. I have that now, but in, from both a couple other jobs I had from dental hygiene school to relationships to all kinds of things. I had so much stress in my life. And if nothing else, this cancer process has taught me to stop worrying about the small stuff Mm -hmm. and just try to stay happy as much as possible and, and let things go and stop stressing so much. So I think with if I could text balance with a little bit of that, <laughs> might be a long text. Obviously I'm long-winded. <laughs> um, I don't think anybody's answer is ever going to be short on this one. <laughs> I love that something that I, I wrote down early in the podcast episode and starred is the mindset piece. And I think you're totally right. We're going to have to have some future episodes about all these different things to go into. Um, you talked about, you know, finding a relationship through cancer and adding the mindset piece to it. So that's beautiful that you are, you're, you're learning from this experience. You're not just pitying yourself like you were at the beginning and you're actually able to take away a really important learning experience from this. I love it. So the second question is what's your favorite book? 
<laughs> so that's something that's changed a lot too. So in, in dental hygiene school, I read so much that I swore I would never read again because I was so over it. <laughs> so I hadn't read for fun in a long time. And during the chemo treatments, which are four to six hours long, I was sick of Netflix and whatever else. I was bored. So I started reading again. And my favorite book as of right now is called The Silent Patient. And Ooh, it's, a- it's on my list. I have it downloaded on my Audible and I haven't gotten to it yet. But yes, Ooh, I'm oh, my gosh. Yeah, my cousin my uncle and my mom all read it. And, and my mom is an avid reader and she's always figuring things out because it's a psychological thriller. So there's a big twist at the end and I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. And she, she didn't figure it out. I didn't figure it out. I mean, it's, <laughs> it was awesome. And I, I like fell asleep in my book in my bed at like midnight one night. Cause I couldn't, I just couldn't stop. And yeah. that's, that's saying a lot for me. Cause I don't, I hardly ever read. So those are definitely good books when you're just nodding off because you don't want to put it down. Yeah. Okay. So for the little surprise, um, I have a lightning round of questions. So I'm going to ask you four quick questions and I'd love to hear the first thing that pops into your head. Are you ready? Okay. Ready. Okay. What's your favorite food? Oh gosh. I was going to say Skittles. <laughs> Chicken Parmesan. Ooh. What's your favorite exercise? Uh, like class type or anything. anything. Uh, I love Pio, which is a Pilates yoga mix. Oh, nice. Yeah. What inspires you? Um, gosh, happy, positive people who aren't, um, who are real at the same time. Mm-hmm. So not, not just, um, posting positive quotes on Instagram, but that plus this, my life is effed right now. And this is why, <laughs> you know, yeah. Of it. So people like that inspire me who are, who are real and mostly positive. I love it. Last one. What's your biggest indulgence? Oh, um, probably red wine. Mm. Yeah. Since I'm cutting out the sugar or else I would say any, any candy, the worst kind, the pure sugar kind. So not that anymore. <laughs> Remember those pixie sticks? Oh, do I? <laughs> that to me is just pure sugar candy because it's just sugar in a tube. Yeah. The worst thing for your teeth, the worst thing for your body. <laughs> and I love it all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Karen, this was so amazing. I definitely think that we need to get some future episodes on the books because I just think that you have such an incredible journey to share. And I'm so grateful that you spent this time with me today. Is there a good way that the audience can connect with you? Oh, yeah, I would love that. And I actually am working on getting another fitness certification that's a cancer specialist certification. Awesome. I know. So I can help so many people. Um, My website is No Filter Fitness, and it's no-filter-fitness.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. So um, Instagram is no filter fitness Reno, but yeah, I have a website and social media and all of that. And I do tons of free virtual workouts right now while I'm getting through this and we'll be starting in January, February time after I'm all healed, we'll be doing some, some boot camp challenges that you can do from home and yeah. So awesome. And I will definitely link all that information up in the show notes so the audience can find you. And again, that's no filter fitness. 
Thank you so much. This is so fun. (laughs) Your health and wellness are important to me. It's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are helpful for you. I'd love for you to do three things right now. First, click on the subscribe button to get access to new episodes and leave a five-star review with some feedback. Second, head on over to Instagram and follow me at EWC Health. And last, jump on over to empirewellnesscenter.com slash podcast and click on the link to book your complimentary assessment with me. Let's get a 30-minute call on the schedule to look at your history and find the solutions that work best for you. That's empirewellnesscenter.com slash podcast. And remember, our bodies are amazing vessels and the possibilities are infinite. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's improving your internal, physical, or mental health, we have more tools to explore the infinite possibilities within wellness. Be sure to visit us at EmpireWellnessCenter.com for more ways to connect with Charlene. There you'll find ways to educate, improve, empower, inspire, and grow. That's all available on EmpireWellnessCenter.com.